He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This, this is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome aboard. Uh, it's a beautiful day in the Mid-South. Uh, I was coming in. It was about 88 degrees on the thermometer in my car uh, and uh, partly cloudy skies. I had a few, actually a few sprinkles hit my windshield as I came in. Uh, there is a 20% chance of precipitation, but I'm not seeing anything really showing up on radar. Uh, it's just uh, kind of like a hit and miss. Um, but it says, does it rain in Memphis today? Variable clouds with scattered thunderstorms to low near 70 winds. South 5 to 10 miles an hour, and they're saying a chance of 40% in this forecast, but uh, who knows? Right now it's not raining, and so that's the important thing. And a uh, quick scan of the traffic situation. we got some slowdowns on Germantown Parkway, where it's always slow. We turn to Walnut Grove, north and south. Uh, but I don't see any other wrecks, so that's good. Good news. Uh, what's not good news is, and this came out yesterday, and I, and I was really kind of floored when I saw it, about Chick-fil-A having a diversity and equity and inclusion department, uh, which now they're uh, starting to serve kale and cauliflower sandwiches. You ever had a cauliflower sandwich before? Ugh. Do never cook cauliflower in your house either. <laughs> it don't smell good at all. Put that in there with cabbage and a Tony permanent for your sister, man. It's uh, just awful. Uh, but the nation's most popular food chain has actually had a vice president for DEI for quite some time, but they kept it kind of on the down low. They didn't want their loyal customers, which are mostly conservative Christians and uh, who really stood behind them when they went up against the LGBT community back a couple of years ago when they were trying to get them to do something, and they said, no, we're going to keep doing what we do. Everybody just went, okay, that's we're with you. And now they're saying, nah, nah, we're uh, they're also hosting a new uh, conference featuring an expert on black equality, equity, which equity is not equality. Equity is they want theirs, yours, and more. <laughs> and uh, no longer is it, is it good enough to be just uh, equal in everything. It's all now it's uh, we want uh, to uh, stick it to the guys, uh, which uh, – Somebody tried to do with somebody here in Memphis, a woman carjacked a man with a machete, leaving people in shock. Remember the incident last week in New York uh, where the college art professor, and usually you don't expect that out of art professors, you know, coming at you with a machete or attacking uh, some pro-life people and pushing all their stuff on the floor. This is an angry woman. But you have to wonder, you know, most art people are very, very peaceful, you know. They wear those uh, tie-dye shirts and they got... Uh, peace stickers on their cars and but uh, people were left shocked after a woman allegedly carjacked a man with a machete on Tuesday morning um, on Wednesday Larry Freeman was cutting grass around the corner for where police say 30 year old Caitlin Devine was arrested for carjacking burglary theft and vandalism uh, for and so uh, it didn't say why she said she was reportedly armed with a machete when she approached a man sitting in his truck in the parking lot at Cotton Trade Warehouse on Matthews Avenue, according to police, Devine held a machete toward the man's chest and told him to drive. <laughs> drive. <laughs> yes, ma'am. 
Police say the victim was injured and ran from his truck, and the van took the wheel, ramming a heavy security gate, causing 5000 worth of damage, then crashing the truck into a ditch on Matthews Avenue where she was held for police. <laughs> Somebody said uh, she might be loony, she might be on drugs, no telling what her situation is, but trying to take dough, get out, and get a job, Freeman said. Uh, Devine was also responsible for breaking into a second vehicle on Tuesday in the same parking lot. She made an initial appearance in court on Wednesday, but will return Thursday morning for a bail hearing. I bet they'll release her without bail because she didn't have any money. That's when you keep them in is when they don't have any money. Uh, and uh, this uh, this is a national story. Uh, Joe Biden was at the Air Force Academy in um, Colorado today, uh, shaking hands with all the graduates. And took a very serious spill. In fact, of all the falls I've seen him take, this one seemed like he hit the hardest. Which, believe me, uh, one thing you worry about, because I've had my hip replaced twice, is falling and breaking a hip. Because that sets you back a ways. And it's not exactly like he's spry anyway. But uh, let me tell you something. There's no way to look cool on a walker. I tried. And you're walking down the sidewalk and, some some young lady walks by and smiles at you. You try to stand up straight. <laughs> you just go, I'm old, I'm broken. <laughs> Nothing I can do about it. So hopefully he will uh, be more careful. Uh, it was funny, though, because, you know, when you do trip on something, you always look back and see what it was. <laughs> There's never anything there. <laughs> you look, I know it was something that jumped out at me and, and tripped me, but I don't know where it went. Yeah. And speaking of bail on the woman with the uh, machete, Shelby County commissioners are calling for more information when it comes to setting bail for those accused of a crime. Commissioner Rick McWright has been outspoken when it comes to bail for accused criminals, saying that something has to be done to address what he calls crime. Uh, whatever he said, he whatever he called it, got chopped off on my page here. Uh, but it said August calling for a twice annual reporting for bail setting data. Right calls this bipartisan issue and said the data was needed now. It's not just commissioners who want answers, but the state as well. When it comes to the judicial commissioner program, the county commission needs to know how that program is operating because we fund the program and we create those positions in the first place. So the county commission is charged with making sure the program is working as it's intended and is keeping the public safe. If not, then we need to take steps, uh, but we have no way to measure that right now. They, they get no report on how much... Uh, they're uh, they're spending or uh, whatever they're doing. Nothing is uh, being reported to them. That's like when I was a reporter at Fox Thirteen, and I tried to get some information on what the school board uh, back then it was the city schools, but now it's the county schools. But it's one big school district, and they operate the same way. I tried to find out what their operating budget was. Well, you can find out what the total amount the city gives them. But then you cannot get a breakdown on what the schools spend on anything, not on salaries, not on back then they had their own security force. I want to know how much they were spending on their own security force. And they said, no, you're not able to do that. So the city council should be. They're the ones who give them the money. We should be able to see it because it's our money. Uh, But no, you can't. And a Memphis woman was attacked while walking through Overton Park. This is something that gets everybody's attention. Overton Park should be one of the safest places in Memphis. Uh, May 31st, the victim was casually walking through the park when the suspect, a male, came up behind her and pushed her into the bushes. 
When officers arrived, the victim advised them that she screamed. The witness, the witness yelled at the suspect as he ran away. The victim informed officers the suspect fled towards East Parkway and Summer Avenue intersection. No one was injured. Still an opening investigation there. And uh, then uh, this one is interesting. A woman tried to set the Midtown Burger King on fire. Obviously, she's had a Burger King recently. <laughs> they, they are not good. But a woman accused of internationally intentionally starting a fire that did thousands of dollars worth of damage at a Midtown Burger King. Firefighters were called to the 1300 block of Poplar Avenue around 4 a.m. Wednesday morning. Put the fire near the front of the building out. Uh, said she evidently left some bushes up there. Not a lot of bushes up there, though. The witness told uh, officers she saw a woman kicking the bushes but could not tell what she was kicking. The witnesses and the woman later identifies Trisha Shaw ran eastbound on Poplar after she saw the bush was on fire. Uh, so police said Shaw, 46, is still on the scene when they arrived and was taken into custody. They said surveillance video showed Shaw standing near the bushes and starting the fire of what appeared to be a lighter. Damage to Burger King is estimated around twenty grand. The restaurant was open Wednesday afternoon, but just for drive-thru service. Testers trying to walk inside were wondering what happened to the building. Well, cut on fire. She was charged with arson and is scheduled to be arraigned on Thursday, and then I'm sure she'll be released on her own recognizance. Here's your lighter back. Go get them, cowgirl. So those are just some of the um, things that are happening uh, here locally and around the around the world. We're going to take a quick break, and then we get back. We'll uh, talk about the the apparently the uh, bipartisan debt ceiling bill is going to move on through. So we'll talk a little bit about that. So stay with us. We'll be back. <laughs> And welcome back on a lovely summer afternoon in the Mid-South. Uh, I don't know if you got down to the music fest or the barbecue. I was talking to somebody today that uh, has been watching it closely for a while and talked to some other guys that uh, were founders of the uh, Memphis and May uh, event, including the music fest, the barbecue, the Sunset Cafe, the canoe race, uh, a lot of stuff that used to be there that ain't there anymore. I don't know if they even had the canoe race this year. I didn't hear anything about it. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the, everybody I talked to said the crowds were definitely down this year. And uh, that uh, it was roped off. I mean, there were areas that you just couldn't go into. And one theory I'm hearing is that because they got started so late as far as being able to book talent, that the the talent really wasn't going to be there. So they knew they weren't going to sell a lot of tickets to it. So what they did is said, uh, we're just going to rope off these areas. So sort of like when you watch the USFL game, the showboats at the Liberty Bowl, what they've done is blocked off the whole northeast side of the stadium. Everybody's sitting on the west side. So the sun's kind of at their back. The bad part is when they show the field, it looks like there's nobody in the stands. Uh, and, and really, there is a half a stadium is there. I really think they should put a camera on the side just to do cutaways and show the crowd cheering more, which they need to do. But I guess the feeling of Memphis in May, Jim Holt, who's the head of it, was that if we crowd them all together, which is an old trick. I remember I've done covered events for years. And when they want to make it look like a bigger crowd, like when Joe Biden was campaigning, they get like 12 people and shove them all together, make them look like 20. 
And then you got Trump, who's was drawing hundreds of thousands of people. They never would show the crowd. They just say, "Nah, we ain't showing that." So it's a it's a bit of a trickery that they use to either make things look better or worse, depending on what their agenda is. But I know that the barbecue they didn't have near the teams, and to be in the barbecue, it costs fifteen thousand dollars per team just to to get in. That's saying they accept you. They dropped 135 teams, and that's not even counting the patio porkers, which they dumped at first. So you you look at the numbers of that, just 135 times 15,000. The patio porkers didn't pay anywhere near that. There was much less. Uh, but uh, so just the entry fees alone was a huge loss to them. And then people didn't buy tickets to get in. So I, I would be surprised they didn't lose several million dollars this year on the entire Memphis and May, and I talked to people that live down there, and I said, so did the park look tore up or anything? He said, no, there's maybe some grass they need replacing, but they didn't let them up around any of the trees or any of the moguls. I mean, you were restricted to just certain areas you could even go into. And then today I was watching um, Cutaways on Channel 3, and they were showing shots of the river, but it had the old Mud Island River Park in the foreground, and you could see the um, what's supposed to be the Gulf of Mexico, which is at the end of the Mississippi River walkway, which was really a cool day. I was there the day it opened. We had I was at Channel Three, and everybody did. Five was there, thirteen was there, twenty-four. 20, I don't know if twenty-four existed back then, but it was a huge thing, and everybody went live from there. Showed the whole park, had the amphitheater, the Gulf of Mexico, concession stands all around the Gulf. Uh, and, uh, over the years, it's just fallen into huge disrepair. They couldn't get it. They used to have the, the Memphis bell was over there, but they could never find the money to build an enclosure. So it's out of the weather. It's built kind of a canopy thing. Finally, I think the, somebody in Cincinnati paid the, the freight and moved it up there. And that's where it sits today inside a air conditioned heated uh, building. So it's preserved, which is what we should have done here. But we we get get things get kind of halfway done, then we just go, ah, and let it fall apart. And so that's where Mud Island is. Now, you spent $65 million on Tom Lee Park. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if that wasn't the last Memphis of May to take place there. And uh, so you won't have that anymore, which means the city loses, uh, businesses lose. And, uh, I mean, that may have been what was the final straw for the Hard Rock Cafe, which it was announced, uh, just heard a minute ago on the news, that they're closing july the 7th i remember when they came that was a huge thing they opened up i think where the tin roof is now on beale street kind of catty corner from handy park and i remember man the the stuff that was in there and it was top rate and they were there for about a year or two and there's something about that end of beale the east end of beale no matter what they ever put down there it just never happens it just doesn't go if you go past alfred's uh, it just dies down there. I don't know. I think Tin Roof is doing pretty good because I think they have some pre-parties and stuff and some pretty good entertainment. But the Hard Rock couldn't make it. So there was an Elvis Presley club. I Actually, it was. that they Elvis Presley Enterprises opened up um, a club where Lansky's brothers used to be. And it went for about two or three years, and it couldn't seem to make it. Because let's face it, if Elvis ain't there, it ain't the Elvis club. And uh, Lisa Marie and and uh, and Priscilla never came. If they did, it was very rare. And so 
it ended up closing. And so Hard Rock says, we'll move down there because it's on the other end of the street and see if we can make it there. But they've been there since 1997, a long time ago, and uh, but they just can't seem to make it, so they're closing down. And you have to wonder, you know, could this this year and the other two years or three, almost three years of the pandemic took its huge toll on it. I do know that when people come to Memphis, they want to go to things that are Memphis. You know, I mean, uh, Miss Polly's, B.B. Uh, King's, uh, Blues Alley, places like that that are unique to Memphis. And uh, when you go to New York, maybe going to the Hard Rock in New York is a big deal, or London. But, uh, you know, unless you've got good entertainment or something going on, paying $14 for a drink gets old quick. And uh, so apparently that took its toll. Uh, but, um, and then a couple of stories that really kind of surprised me today, you know, the mayor Lightfoot who just, uh, lost her reelection bid in Chicago got hired by Harvard. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. So she's going to teach at Harvard after she turned Chicago into a disaster area, murder capital of the world. And then the other idiot, Chessa Bodin. Uh, who was the San Francisco prosecutor who they did a recall vote on him because he was so bad letting everybody loose. Uh, he's just been hired by Berkeley. <laughs> Another huge endorsement. Berkeley Law School. They hired this moron that was uh, just causing uh, San Francisco to even further sink into the depths of depression and depravity. And then Lightfoot up there at Harvard you just have to make, you have to wonder what is going on with all our institutions. What are they doing? And uh, then remember the woman the other day, the crazed uh, art teacher at the school, and they knew that she was that crazy, and and they didn't do anything about it until they finally had to. So keep the cards and letters coming in. Apparently it works. Maybe we can get rid of uh, Boudin and Lightfoot from Harvard and Berkeley. Not that I care. I'm not going there. Gonna take a break. We'll be back. And thank you very much. Welcome back. I do want to report an accident. Poplar Avenue East at uh, South Goodlett uh, Street. It was reported at about 321. So uh, keep that in mind as you're moving up and down Poplar Avenue. Because a wreck anywhere on Poplar jams things up. Otherwise, it looks pretty clear out there. I have noticed the, the traffic is way down from what it normally is. So we've got a lot of people that are out of town right now. Good for them. Good for us. No waiting no, no stacked up at the traffic lights. Uh, do a report that uh, President Joe Biden actually fell over on a stage today as he attended the U.S. Air Force Academy graduation. Video footage shows Biden wearing a suit and a ball cap. And I like this. They wrote, walking happily across the stage. <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, if you saw me walking down the street, he looked like he was walking happily. Uh, but he said across the stage when suddenly he trips uh, and falls to the ground. Several Secret Service members immediately run over to help assist the president. Uh, supposedly there was a sandbag they used to hold down tripods, lights, that kind of stuff. And the media business was on the stage and he didn't see it and sandbagged him. <laughs> but I want you to listen to this. Uh, we've got the audio and I'm sure you'll see plenty of it. I want you to listen to the audio, though. Because when you hear people go, yay, they're applauding this uh, graduate, the last one that he gave his diploma to. Then immediately after that, Biden falls, and the crowd seems to pick up in their enthusiasm. Listen to this. 
the roar, the roar you heard was uh, after he fell. I don't know whether they were they were just shocked and they were going, oh, or whether they were actually <laughs> enjoying it. I have no idea. Uh, but uh, you, you'll be able to look for yourself. Just Google Biden falls again, and uh, which is uh, sad. Uh, in the meantime, I didn't know this. Did you know he was still siphoning gas out of our strategic oil reserve? Uh, apparently, he's drained 2.5 million more uh, barrels from the uh, strategic oil reserve, the ninth straight week. Meanwhile, the Department of Energy is trying to buy 3 million barrels of oil to refill the strategic oil reserve. But guess what? There's none available because the Arabs said they're cut back on production. And if we were to have any kind of a major crisis right now, it would be a major crisis. Uh, but I mean, and it's not even reporting that uh, that is their reserve, strategic oil reserve. It was never intended to lower gas prices. It was in case we have a natural disaster or go to war, and we got enough fuel to to arm our and move our military. But apparently, just like everything else, that doesn't make any difference. And then President Joe Biden praised the House of Representatives' passage of the new bipartisan debt ceiling bill. Yesterday, just days before the Treasury Department's deadline, bill which passed uh, 314 to 117 vote that saw lawmakers cross political aisles, including compromises on government spending by protecting social programs such as Social Security and Medicaid, they were going to be touched anyway. That's just that's just politicians out there putting the fear factor in everybody. But it allows Republicans to reclaim unspent COVID-19 relief and reduce funding for the IRS by a couple of billion when they they cut out 89 billion for the irs what does the irs need with 89 billion they collect money they don't make any money they don't do anything but we all know what's going to go on they're going to come after small businesses out there and they got to have 89 billion dollars worth of people out there which i know when they put out the notice to hire people they said you got you got to be willing to train with a weapon and be willing to use it on your fellow americans uh, says recovery. Biden said in a statement, this budget agreement is a bipartisan compromise. Neither side got everything it wanted, but that's the responsibility of governing. Do you know there were more Democrats that voted for this bill than Republicans? There were 20 some odd Republicans that said, we're not voting for this. We're, we're basically giving him $4 trillion to blow. And, uh, and a, a couple of billion is what we're saving. So I don't know. You know, there's so many people out there talking out of both sides of the mouth. I, I really don't know what to believe anymore. I really don't. And I like to think that some of them are being honest, but then you know, it comes down to it. Uh, you sit there and go, uh, I've seen a lot in the last couple of years, and not much has left me encouraged about our government. In the meantime, House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer held a, a call with FBI Director Christopher Wray on Wednesday on a Refusal to hand over an FBI whistleblower document to Congress, potentially setting the stage for a historic contempt of Congress charge. Uh, on my call with FBI Director Ray, the FBI finally confirmed the existence of the FD-1023 form, alleging then-Vice President Joe Biden engaged in a criminal bribery scheme. Comer tweeted Wednesday after the call, anything short of producing these documents to a GOP oversight is not in compliance with my subpoena. Comer's statement detailed the call with Ray, including the first time confirmation of the FD-1023 from 
alleging Biden's criminal bribery scheme with a foreign national. However, Director Ray did not con- commit to producing the documents subpoenaed by the House Oversight Committee. Comer's statement continued while Director Ray, after a month of refusing to even acknowledge that the form existed, has offered to allow us to see the documents in person at FBI headquarters. We have been clear that anything short of producing these documents to the House Oversight Committee is not in compliance with the subpoena. If the FBI fails to hand over the FD-1023 form as required by the subpoena, the House Oversight Committee will begin contempt of Congress proceedings. Now, if you'll recall, Eric Holder, who was head of the DOJ, uh, and he was held in contempt, he just didn't show up and said, um, and what are you going to do about it? He never never was called before Congress. He never has served a day in jail. And look at all the other people that they, the Democrats want to stick you away in a hole. They just do it. Source told Newsmax Congressional Correspondent Kimney Dopchart on Newsmax's American agenda, the call did not go well and will ultimately force Comer and the House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to call for a vote on holding Ray in contempt of Congress. I don't know what the problem with that is. He's drug his feet on everything they've asked him to do. And uh, he is in contempt of Congress. And they need to uh, they need to, to go in there and say, you know what? Uh, we're rounding you up and we're sending you on down to the pokey until you comply with what we're asking you to do. Yeah, but so far, that hasn't happened. And, uh, and it may not. Uh, I just, I really, I do not understand how this continues to happen. Uh, the Democrats do whatever they want to or not want to. Republicans, uh, if they don't do something, they get held in contempt. They send them away to prison uh, and threaten to send everybody else to prison. you got all the January 6th people. Some of them weren't even in the Capitol. They were just in Washington, uh, over by the the mall. And uh, they got them, and they, they've held them without uh, seeing an attorney, without uh, any charges. And you got other people they've convicted, and they're doing time. And uh, I don't know; it's just a, it's a, it's a not a good situation. I'll just say that. And I don't know where it's going to go, but right now it ain't going in a very good place. Um, New York City <clears throat> enacts the homeless bill of rights. Uh, New York City. I didn't know that the homeless had a Bill of Rights. I mean, the United States has a Bill of Rights, but that's for citizens. These are not our citizens. Uh, it says uh, Mayor Eric Adams has allowed a homeless Bill of Rights to become law. Step supporters say will strengthen legal protections for the unhoused in a city struggling with a record number of people in its shelter system. The measure passed the city council with bipartisan support in April as city shelters were swelling beyond capacity by the arrival of 70,000 international migrants since last spring. Among other things, the new law acknowledges the explicit right to sleep outdoors and in public places. Though not any place like that they like, New York City has other laws in place that would limit where the outside areas in the unhoused can sleep. Police could clear sidewalks and streets of anyone who impedes the flow of traffic, you know what? There is thousands and thousands of acres in upstate New York that state-owned land. I've camped on it before. You get on the Al Palisades Highway, go to upstate New York, and they got all these turn-ins. And you go in there, and you can camp out, you can hunt, you can fish. Send them there. Get out. Go, go. Be, you know, you can survive. Americans did it for years. And I guarantee you, Mexicans do it. When I work with all Mexican crews in the oil field, they'd eat their lunch real quick, go kill jackrabbits for the rest of our lunch period. 
bring them back to the truck, throw them in the back of the pickup truck. They came back the next day in the form of tacos. So these people are very resourceful. But, I mean, when you tell them you're going to put them up in a four-star hotel in Manhattan and give them three meals a day, they ain't going to upstate New York and camping out. And and look how many people that that live in New York City that are homeless. They ain't got no Bill of Rights. I, I just do not understand it. They said the law also gives people the right to complain about the shelter accommodations without repercussions and includes safeguards to prevent a person from being assigned to spaces that don't correspond with their gender identity. <laughs> you got to be kidding me, man. It also gives people the right to apply for rental assistance and requires parents staying in shelters to be given diapers for their babies. The main sponsor of the New York City's elected public advocate, Jamon Williams said the measure is necessary to let people of the shelter system know they are entitled to fair and respectful treatment. Where does it say that? They broke into our country, and uh, then they want us all to act like uh, they landed like uh, like uh, Christopher Columbus with the, his guys and uh, staking a claim in our country. Well, that ain't the way it is. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then uh, we'll be back. And welcome back. For your perusing pleasure, nearly 10,000 photos from Hunter Biden's laptop hit the web. Truth and transparency. A trove of photos from Hunter Biden's laptop has been made available to the public through a new website launched uh, today. The website, BidenLaptopMedia.com, will house almost 10,000 photos spanning from 2008 to 2019 and took months to complete. Garrett Ziegler, the founder of the nonprofit Marco Polo, told Fox News Digital. It's taken us a couple of months to one to go through the photos, about 10,000 of them, and then redact the um, nasty parts of these photos because they were just whatever was there. That's what's in the photos on his laptop. So they went through and kind of cleaned up that. Um, Ziegler, a former Trump White House aide, said of the contents found on the laptop were once owned by President Biden's son. The number one thing we were about is truth and transparency, he said. If the American people want to know what their first family is like, they're going to get get it. And <laughs> we're not going to be taking out photos that paint the Bidens as a, in a good light. Photos provided exclusively to Fox News Digital ahead of the website launch showed uh, remnants of the drugs Hunter Biden had used in 2018, and another showed Hunter Biden cozying up with then-lover Zoe Christan. The same year, uh, Krissa Cannon Wilbridge, uh, Marco Polo. Uh, Ziegler also noted that several photos containing private information were redacted, including images containing Social Security numbers, banking information, and credit card numbers. Additionally, multiple nude photos of Hallie Biden, the widow of Bo Biden's, uh, were redacted. I mean, when you start thinking about it, you think, when this guy gets on Air Force One and flies all over the country, (laughs) all this stuff has been out there. I mean, the guy has absolutely no shame. Neither does Biden. He's a good boy. I like him. He's smart. The smartest guy I know. Can't keep up with that laptop. Ziegler also noted for several photos containing private information were redacted. And of the many photos found on the laptop, Ziegler provided Fox News Digital with two never-before-seen photos of the laptop. 
One photo showed Hunter Biden cozied up to his then lover Zoe Christan. The other image featuring an array of drugs and a, and other items sitting on a table was from a text message conversation Hunter had with Hallie Biden, the widow of Bo Biden. I mean, so after his brother dies, then he goes and and starts a relationship with her. And then she's also one of the people who allegedly got something like $10,000 from some of the money that came into the Biden family. Uh, Providing further insight on the type of content viewers can expect on the website, Zigner said, some content that does not carry news value will be featured. There are, for example, screenshots of Candy Crush, games where we are fairly confident the saying there's absolutely no news value to those, he said. So it's going to be, I would say, 98% of the photos of the device, around 10,000 in total, although it'll be slightly less than that. It's going to be a completely authentic recounting of the photos on the device. Ziegler promised that there won't be any um, things you shouldn't want to see or as family-friendly as they can make them and assisted the public project, which will display the images chronologically, covers a large swath of the first family's life, includes an array of photos. He also made it clear it is not a hit job against the Biden family. <laughs> no, it's a, it's king for a day. <laughs> and now here's your Biden family. Um, said Ziegler promised there won't be anything uh, there that you shouldn't, wouldn't want to see. It's a picture of a letter that Hunter's daughter, Finnegan, wrote to assume troops stationed overseas like in Iraq and Afghanistan and said it's an adorable letter. Finnegan's around nine years old at the time, and it definitely paints the Bidens in a much better light. We're good. Uh, we're not Republican activists. None of us are registered Republicans. He continued. In fact, I love and still love Trump precisely because it wasn't a standard Republican, so it's not a hit job. We're going to keep all the photos and paint the Bidens in a good light and keep all the photos that paint Biden in a bad light. American people can judge for themselves uh, just what they think about their first family through this. And that's the way we used to do it in news. You'd put everything you had out there, and you'd say, look, this is what we've come across. You be the judge. You know, we're not going to sum this up for you. We're not going to say, he's a bad boy, he's a good boy. You sit there and go, this is what we found. And then you stop. But apparently that's uh, not the way it is in our modern world. And I think it's a damn shame. Describing the efforts of the most uh, thorough expose on any American first family that has been in office in the history of America, Ziegler said the types of photos that will be shared on the website are photos that typically only become available once a presidential archives are open, and those photos only detail his time in the Oval while he was president. This is going to be a lot more than that. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back right after the top of the hour. He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome back. Uh, joining me in studio right now is Jared Bullock, who is uh, with the Museum of Science and History 
Also, uh, one of the coolest places I think that's in Memphis that uh, I love museums, and this is a, a really a world class museum. So much of Memphis history there, but they also have in the last few years have started doing some really unique things. Recently, they had the science of beer that was there. That was really cool. And uh, now they've got uh, another big night coming up on June the 9th uh, called the uh, Mad Scientist for a Night. And uh, Jared has his lab coat on. I want to ask you if I could borrow that for later. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, in fact, everyone will get one of these oh, as wow. part of the event. Um so the idea of the Mad Scientist Ball is to uh, be a mad scientist for the evening. Um, you come in, get your lab coat, you're able to decorate it. We'll have a decorating station. You'll be able to put patches, pins, whatever you want, color it. Um, but you get to go around the museum and um, start enjoying some science experiments done by Magic Mr. Nick and some of our um, staff. The other nice thing is it's a preview of the opening of the next exhibit which is the uh, American at the Crossroads, the story of the American guitar, and Grind City Picks, the music that made Memphis. So uh, Grind City Picks talks a little bit about uh, Memphis guitarists, and we really localize the story of the guitar here in Memphis. Which is really great because we have such an incredible array of history here. Mm -hmm. When I moved here from Dallas, I loved it because history goes back so much further here than in Texas. I mean, Texas was... You know, the Alamo was kind of the beginning of things. And before that, it was just the native Americans that were living out there and a lot of rattlesnakes. And, uh, but Memphis has such a rich history of music and food and, and everything. And, um, I think it's really good that you guys are teaching that, um, mm-hmm. and, and making it fun for people why at the same time. I mean, the beer, science of beer was great. Mm-hmm. Because not only did you learn something, you got a couple of beers out of there. Absolutely. <laughs> and then, so this, uh, alchemy, salt and soy. They're doing the food. He's going to do a whole display. Where they're getting creative with the cocktails. There may or not be, you know, drinks out of test tubes and <laughs> certain other uh, types of ways to, uh, to intake drinks or food. Um, but uh, we also have uh, Thump Daddy, the band that will be playing. They just did the Peabody Rooftop. Oh, wow. They were fantastic. I think they did it last Thursday, and so they'll be coming um, and doing their show while the event's going on. So how does it work, Jared? I mean, you've been there. How long have you been there now? About a year and a half. When you come into a place like that, and I'm sure during the interview process, you said, I got a lot of ideas, because that, that is the one thing you have to continually do for any kind of a, a museum, any kind of entity, is how do you keep it fresh? How do you get people that haven't been in a while to come back? And so when you come in with the ideas you've got, and obviously a lot of these are probably your idea, how was it met by the, the head people at the museum? Were they sitting there, were they reluctant to try some of these at the first so I was fortunate when I uh, came along and started interviewing for the position. You know, that's exactly what they were looking for. They were just looking for someone or a group of people to come in and just give fresh ideas. And not all of these ideas are mine. They're, they're, a lot of these ideas have actually been sitting on the shelf at the museum. But just and, never were implemented. And just were never implemented. Um, exactly. And so I've got a great team of folks that come and help, and we just don't say no. And so it's like, hey, it's more of like, when and how can we do these mm-hmm. things? And we're also learning as a museum. As we do these events, we're also taking the opportunity to see if it sticks, what we can make it better, how can we make it better, and we do that through the actual uh, guests. So every time you go to an event, you get a survey right afterwards so we can uh, hear from get you. Get the feedback. And get the feedback and so we can make it better. You know, what's great about it, in fact, we're having a reunion at Channel 3 coming up here on the 17th of June. And 
Uh, I came here when I was 29 from Dallas, and everybody was about the same age uh, in the late 20s, early 30s when I got here. And they, we were really inventing TV then. This is back 1978. And so we were doing stuff nobody had ever done before. So we were just starting out doing live shots, started getting switching over from film to video. And so there wasn't any, there wasn't a book you could go get. Mm-hmm. This is how you do it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what you guys are doing. And I think it's extremely exciting to get a bunch of people together and say, let's make something happen. Mm-hmm. And that's what you guys are doing. And we're excited, too, because as we continue to grow these, we're looking for other folks to get involved, get engaged with host committees, with these events, and help them make it their own event. Because the museum isn't, you know, for the staff. It's for the community. It's for Memphians. Um, and it's really telling the Memphis story. And so we're encouraging others to get engaged with that. Some of the other things that are ongoing is the planetarium. Yep. And uh, that's uh, if you have never been to the planetarium, it's really cool because y'all have added music to it now. So, yeah, Laser Live is going on right now. We just had our first one with uh, Hope Claiborne and Soul Scrimmage uh, a couple of weeks ago. Huge hit. So we're bringing in local artists and doing a custom laser light show. That is great. Um, in fact, June 10th, the night after, Free World, the famous band that's playing on Beale Street, is coming in and doing their wow. laser light show. And they, I think they're, uh, they have two sets. They have one at 4 and I believe it one at 6.30 or 7. Um, but it's on June 10th. And then in August, we'll have Al Capone <laughs> in there. So yeah, We've had Al Capone on the cover of the Four Memphis Magazine before. He's a really cool guy. Yeah, so it's, it's really neat to just, again, give these spaces back to Memphis and let them program it let them be a part of it and just be here for for everyone in your research what what have you found here in the last couple of years about who does come to the to the museum is it uh is it just mostly moms bringing little kids moms and dads or is it uh are you getting new people that don't even have children coming there because they want to see the museum exactly so that's the whole point of all these events is to create an exposure um to a new audience and to generate that new audience um, it traditionally was, you know, moms with kids. Yeah. And we're trying to say and through the exhibits that we bring in, um, like the guitar exhibit, that's not necessarily a mom and no. kid type of exhibit. No. That's going to be an exhibit for anyone, any guitar th- enthusiast. So we're trying to create that. So these exhibits and these events, they go, oh, this place is actually cool. I need to get a membership and I need to continue to come back. I was going to ask, in addition to the membership, though, is there is there like friends of the museum that can end up volunteering and Absolutely. helping with these kind of things? How we, does that work? We have friends of Mosh um, and friends of the Pink Palace, um, and that's kind of the uh, affinity group that helps uh, do a lot of our events. They Their primary focus is the crafts fair, but they're also engaging with a lot of our events, and they're one of our primary uh, volunteers. We also have a great volunteer uh, manager named Janie Parham, and if anyone wants to get engaged, her information's on there, and she's constantly putting out volunteer opportunities. And that's not just at Mosh. It's also at Lichterman Nature Center if you want to get involved in the environment. Uh, there's opportunities out there and at all of our events um, um, we have a great volunteer following, and they have so much fun because uh, they're not just, you know, cleaning things or doing stuff as far as volunteers. They're sometimes pouring drinks. They're decorating things. They're going to be doing some uh, science experiments. In fact, a lot of our volunteers are going to be doing the experiments at the event. Uh, of course, you weren't here then, but when I first came to Memphis, uh, the craft fair was on the grounds of the Pink Palace mm-hmm. Museum. And they had things like Babe Howard from Millington would bring his mule out there and put up a grist mill. And and grind sugar cane and make sugar uh, sugar cane syrup mm-hmm. uh, right there. And we had the big um, boilers and then boiling it down and with the big rakes moving it back and forth. Had a lot of hands-on historical uh, things that people did in this area 
to live. And I think that would be something great to return to in addition to the craft fair because that's its own thing. But to bring it back on the grounds, the grounds are so cool. Absolutely. And uh, I'll just never forget there seeing the fires going, the smoke coming up, and mules, and they had people out there showing trades and crafts and how they used to make things. And, and that's as much a part of the science and history of our area. Yeah, and so we're actually <clears throat> activating the grounds a little bit more. Um, June 25th, I believe, Shelby County Arts for All event is going to be on the grounds of uh, the Pink Palace. And it's going to be celebrating all arts groups. So all the museums, uh, you know, different uh, performance groups will set up booths and be almost kind of a small activation. That event is actually free um, to the public, and so anyone will be able to come. And that's, I believe, June 25th from uh, basically 11 to 5. Well, there's always a lot going on there, and I guess it's still the hit of the whole show is the shrunken head. No matter, Absolutely. No matter what else you'd ever do. <laughs> you know, we, we bring in new acts. We bring in music, but it's the little guy that brings the crowds. Uh, we might actually, uh, this is a little sneak peek, we might be incorporating the shrunken head into a potential murder mystery. Of oh, that would be here. cool. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, uh, I've, been to, I've been to a couple of murder mysteries. They're a lot of fun, but to have the shrunken head in there, that mm-hmm. would really, uh, better than the Maltese Falcon. Yeah, I'm, I'm teasing it out. My script writer might be a little mad at me right now. but yeah, well, <laughs> We'll give you more details than what we just gave you. Yeah. Uh, the upcoming event, uh, Be a Mad Scientist for a Night, June the 9th. How do they, do they buy tickets? Moshmethis.com. Come on and get tickets now. Um, they're they're going hot. And uh, be sure to get your tickets so you can get that lab coat. It'll be a lot of fun. And also, um, uh, join, get a membership, and also see what you can do about volunteering. Uh, it's good to volunteer. You will you will get a lot more out of it than, than uh, you give, I promise yeah. you. Yeah, and any time you get a membership, you get discounts to all of these events. Um, there we do a membership discount for all of our events, so it, it'll pay up, it will pay for itself. Jared Bullock, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Always good seeing you. Yes, sir. All right. We're going to take a quick break, then we'll be back. And welcome back. Uh, I do want to remind you there is a wreck uh, on Poplar Avenue in the eastbound lane uh, that's at Poplar and South Goodlett. And uh, that was turned in at around 3.30, but they're really still working that. I don't see anything else, just some typical slowdowns at uh, Walnut Grove and uh, in Germantown Parkway and then there at uh, Germantown Parkway and Poplar. Everything else looks like it's moving fairly smoothly and the sun's shining out, the birds are singing, so it's a good day. Uh, Macy's and Costco and other big chains are say shoppers are pulling back at their stores and changing what they buy. That could be a red flag for the U.S. economy. Macy's on Thursday cut its annual profit and sales forecast after customers' demand slowed. The U.S. consumer, particularly at Macy's, pulled back more than we anticipated. Macy's CEO Jeff Gannett said on an earnings call Thursday, customers reallocated spending to food essentials and services he said um and says that uh, bed bath and beyond toys are us and radio shack all shut down for the same reason uh which is uh lack of sales bed bath and beyond i knew some people that actually worked at a bed bath and beyond and they said it was absolutely a sweatshop i mean they treated those people just terrible when i heard that i said i'm never buying anything at bed bath and beyond again Apparently, my my boycott worked. They shut down. <laughs> we got the power, baby. Uh, Gannett said Macy's would increase its promotions to clear out unsold merchandise. 
Same store sales at Macy's sank 8.7% last quarter with higher end department store Bloomingdale's dropped 3.9%. Uh, is, is Macy's still even in mid? Is there any Macy's at all still here? Uh, yeah, there you, should be um, at the Oak Court Mall, I think. Is it? Okay. Maybe, and the Wolf Chase Mall. Yeah, well, there you are. I, I, they're depending on me. I'm not even boycotting them. I just don't go. Uh, but it's the latest retailer to highlight shifts in customer demand. Costco finance chief Richard Galanti said last week some of the customers are switching from pricier steaks and beef for cheaper meats like pork and chicken. This is a trend that has become common in previous recessions, he said. I know I picked up some bone-in pork chops yesterday at Fresh Market, and they were like uh, $6 a pound, a big, huge, inch and a quarter thick uh, pork chops versus like $19 a pound uh, for fillets and ribeyes. So you can get a lot better deal by going with pork right now. Uh, and many are shifting their dis- uh, discretionary spending and travel and other services they were not able to find during the pandemic. Strong demand remains for in-person experiences such as travel and dining out. I have noticed that people still are going out. And I think it was that long, dry uh, spell out there. Um, and, uh, it is, uh, you know, something that you really missed. I think everybody did and they couldn't wait for it to come back. And, uh, and, and you go out and they're not spending cheap either. I mean, you look at what people are ordering and, you know, there's steaks and, and lobster and stuff like that. I'm over there telling my wife, ah, we don't want a steak. Let's get soup again tonight. <laughs> but we end up getting something nice anyway. Uh, while some airlines and hotels are posting record bookings, that change in spending is hurting many retailers. Macy's significant earnings guidance reduction underscores the challenges facing retailers, giving a softening of consumer spending environment and shifts in the budgets towards services, said David Silverman, a senior director at Fitch Ratings. Lower income shoppers also have less money to spend on uh, discretionary purchases and are slowing down. Dollar General said its core lower-income customers are passing up discretionary products like home goods and clothing. The company slashed its outlook too weak on customer demand, spending its stock falling 20% during early trading on Thursday. The macroeconomic environment is more challenging than the company had previously anticipated. Dollar General said in a statement it's having a significant impact on customer spending levels and behaviors. Somebody said they were going to change the name of Dollar General to Buck and a Half. <laughs> kind of a ring to it, you know, do you think? Uh, I'm going to the Buck and a Half. <laughs> uh, then if it goes up to two, it's a two dollar, two dollar, two dollar holla. Uh, not all retailers are struggling, however. Some retailers are benefiting from the shift to food and essentials such as Walmart. The company can reach a wide swath of shoppers and around half of its sales come from groceries and other non-discretionary products. Walmart said wealthier households have been shopping at its stores more frequently. I was talking about that the other day. There's kind of a perception out there that uh, Target is just a little higher in the status uh, level than Walmart. And now that the uh, there's a boycott of the, uh, of the uh, stores... In fact, I saw an article I'll find for the next segment uh, that said that uh, uh, 
that uh, Target is really uh, feeling the impact of the boycott on them since they came out with the uh, the uh, trans apparel for little kids. And so it'll be interesting to see if a lot of those people end up going to Walmart and getting the stuff that they had been going to Target and getting. So, uh, you know, they're going to go somewhere because there's certain stuff you just got to get. I know that a lot of people go are now going to dollar the dollar store to get things like uh, toilet paper and paper towels because they're not going back to Target. I just don't think people ever really perceived that they had that kind of buying power uh, before until the Bud Light situation and now uh, the Target situation. I don't know if North Face is facing any kind of a backlash at all. Um, Nike, uh, they may have had some, but I think the people that buy their products, they don't really care about social issues anyway. They just want cool-looking uh, tennis shoes, and they'll they'll spend whatever it takes to get those cool tennis shoes. And uh, that's why I never had them. <laughs> I said, 100 bucks for sneakers? I <laughs> mean, I think I'm going to pass. Now it's much more than that. I went to two or 300 bucks for a pair of, uh, of the top line uh, Nike tennis shoes. Of course, they make you run higher, jump faster. We had PF Flyers when I was a kid. Got them at Sears or Roebuck for nine bucks a pair. <laughs> and they really didn't make you go faster. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Uh, thank you very much and welcome back. Uh, we're going to go now to my good friend Mario Bertagna, who is the, one of the founders of the Italian Fest. And uh, in fact, you were you were one of the founders of this country, weren't you? Didn't you come over with Chris? Uh, no, we didn't. <laughs> but how you doing, Earl? Good to uh, hear from you. I'm good talking to you too, Mario. I, gosh, how many years I've been coming down there and hanging out with your team? Uh, uh, yep. Since I was at five and then thirteen, and uh, had some great times. It's nothing like doing the morning show down there, and uh, Mario yeah. and the guys are going. You ready for your Bloody Mary? I'm going. Ixnay, hey, Ixnay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we did have some good times. Well, sure. and, and you still, you still are. How many years have you been doing it now? Well, I ran it for the first fourteen years, and I think. I'm not sure how to count it with the two years that we laid off for COVID, but uh, this would be actually our 34th year if we hadn't had that. So, Well, the good thing about it, though, and I think you guys did a lot of things right with the festival. Number one, uh, you did it uh, next to next to the church. and it, Right. And uh, then you've never tried to expand it. I think a lot of times trying to make something bigger is not always better. And, uh, and it, it, it's, it just fits. It, it, it's just the right size. And on Thursday and Friday nights and Saturday nights, <clears throat> you get as many people as you, as you really want in there. And it's, fa- right. it's a family thing. The kids are playing. Grandma's there. Grandpa's there. The young families, uh, mom and dads, uh, everybody. And it, yeah, it really is as close as you can get to everybody being Italian. And that's what you say in your, in your literature is, uh, for this right. weekend, everybody's Italian. That's correct. You, somebody's got you've got a vowel at the end of your name. <laughs> However, that works. <laughs> I think you're Farolini. Farolini. <laughs> well, that's better than what they normally call me down there. The 
Now, tell the difference because most people that love Italian food, they just call the, the spaghetti sauce spaghetti sauce. It even says so on the jars when you buy spaghetti sauce. Where did the, Has it always been gravy in the Italian community? Well, it, you know, Italy is a pretty divided country still, even though it's united. You know, it's one government. But, but all different uh, regions but, of the country. But yeah. the, right. The, um, well, up until... Uh, right before the 1900s, you know, it was city-states and that kind of thing. And then it got unified. And to the south, you know, they do the marinara sauce, and that's a sauce. Right. There's no meat in it, no whatever. But when you, like my parents, were from in and around Luca, which is in Tuscany. Okay. And and it was always called gravy because it's got a ton of meat in it. It's... It's what you go for. <laughs> so, so that's the real difference is gravy has meat in so. it and, and sauce doesn't. Because then I've always yeah. eaten gravy then because we've always had uh, meat in our spaghetti sauce. Yep. And, uh, you know, I mean, everything gets Americanized, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know. In so. fact, everybody thinks pizza comes from Italy. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. You and, but you could get pizza in Italy now, which I think is hilarious. Because yeah. So it, many it Americans. funny. And my a, mom told me, you know, she was grown up. She grew up there and didn't come here until she married my dad after the war. And uh, she had never seen a pizza since she got here. <laughs> What's the matter? <laughs> but that's the pizza. <laughs> she, she loved it, though. Well, who doesn't? My, my grandson, uh, he's three, and uh, I come up with the pizza. He goes, pizza! <laughs> but if you think about it, though, Mario, Italian food is one of those uh, ethnic foods that you could literally eat every day. I, I feel the same way about Mexican food. And yep. I really I really can't think of another ethnic food that you can. I mean, nobody ever says, let's have some more German food tonight, you know? Right, and, right. Uh, is or it, English food. Or, yeah, English. I mean, yeah, <laughs> how many fish and chips can you choke down? And, yeah, well, uh, beef wellington's pretty good. Yeah, but even that, uh, but uh, and I do love fish and chips. That's in fact when I lived in Canada, I lived on it uh, because yeah. everything else was boiled meat, and I'm I'm no fan of boiled meat. Let me tell you that. Uh, no, me either. It, is it because of the flavors and and just because uh, I mean it, it just when you think about it, it, you know, I guess when you're growing up, you don't think about it because you just say somebody says we're eating Italian night, you go great. Nobody says boo right. Italian. And it's lasagna, yeah. and it's, it's pizza, it's spaghetti, it's, it's uh, you know, ravioli. It's every, I can't think of any dish that's Italian that I don't like. Right. Eggplant. And I tell you, when you go over there, like uh, mom, her brothers, she still has a brother, that a surviving brother, that still runs the family farm. And I'm telling you, nothing goes to waste. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. I mean, it's just amazing. Well, that was, but that's uh, that's country because I know at my dad's ranch we'd go spend the summers yeah. there, and the yeah. ranch foreman, his wife would uh, we'd stay with them all summer, and uh, they every meal was we'd come in from lunch and you had two or three kinds of meat, you'd have five or six different vegetables, you'd have uh, you know, and you'd eat so much that you just wanted to go lay over on the couch and die for a couple of hours. Of course, they never let us do that. Uh, yeah. And then so, that night, so we just added another category, right? Southern food <laughs> you could eat every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is true you can't eat southern food. Every day. 
which is not the not the way it is uh, in uh, New York City or Chicago or any place else. I mean, in fact, but you know the reason Southern food is so good is because of the people that came here and settled this part of the country. We got a bunch of Italians. We got a bunch of Chinese. You had a bunch of uh, Irish. You had uh, and all that that mixture of food. It's in fact we talk about it. There's a kind of a trail that starts at Nashville and it's a pie shape. It gets bigger and bigger. It goes down to New Orleans and Mississippi and in Louisiana, in that whole region where you go to Clarksdale, Mississippi, what are they known for? Tamales. Now, who would think that sure. Clarksdale, Mississippi would be known for tamales, but they're, they're incredible. And, well, uh, you know what? There's a ton of, there are a ton of Italians in Clarksdale, too. Absolutely. I didn't, and, uh, you know, and they come up here and they play bocce with us. And I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a deal. You know, everyone's, everyone's, uh, and it's a lot of it has to do with climate. You know, when they came over here, they were farmers, mm-hmm. and most of them, and they, you know, learned, hey, this is where we need to go to be able to learn how well, to grow crops. The, it, the climate was more temperate here because uh, most of Italy is the, along the Caribbean, and so right. it was much more temperate than, uh, you know, Germany, right. <laughs> Russia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let them go to Wisconsin. They're yeah. Good. yeah you- <laughs> And they did. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so uh, that's, it all starts tomorrow at, what, 4 o'clock? Yep. 4 and o'clock. We have uh, several big bands. I wish I had the schedule with me. I, I've got, uh, I've got it right here. It's, uh, in fact, I was just looking at it right before you called. Uh, of course, your big sponsors, I do want to mention them. Chuck Hutton Chevrolet, uh, yep. Ajax, Window World, Coca-Cola, Waste Connection, T-Mobile, Standard Electric, Pickler, Wealth Advisors, David Pickler, good guy, uh, yep. Pride Hospitality, uh, Robert L. Gardino, DD Dentist and Cosmetic and Family Dentistry, State Farm, Zach Jaworski, Buzz Free yep. Mosquitoes, Lucchese's Italian uh, Food over there in Sanderlin, uh, Memphis Pizza Cafe, uh, Coletta's, uh, Garibaldi's. You got all the Italian restaurants. You put the put yeah. the stronghold on them, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know they got they got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, let's go over to the entertainment side. Uh, and there's uh, 2023, and because uh, you got um, and there's I, I know for years uh, Larry Raspberry and the High Steppers would always come back. I don't see right. them this year, though. But you have some to be announced, so that's they could still possibly be showing yeah. up because you never know. Yeah. I know. I know that he loves to come to this. That's kind of his annual homecoming. But you got well, lot- when, when we first started it, and uh, for the fourteen years that I ran it, uh, Larry was sort of our producer. Oh, I didn't know that. So, yeah, so he he lived in California. I mean, he's from here, but he moved to California. And he would get people like Cup Coda, Paul, you know, the guy that sang, uh, I can't remember his name now, for the lead singer of Paul Revere and the Raiders, Mark Lindsay. Wow. Uh, all these guys. So he would line up one or two of those every year. And his band would back those guys up and play their songs. I mean, it was just like, you know, nostalgia. <laughs> Everyone loved it. <laughs> it was yeah. amazing. Well, He's a he's a good guy and he loves Memphis yeah. and uh, in fact I just talked good to friend. people today that had moved to Florida a few years ago and I just found out uh, last night that they had moved back 
And I said, so did you really miss Memphis? And they go, yeah. I said, you, you think you might not because, you know, Memphis, everybody yep. says Memphis is Memphis. But when you go someplace else and live for a while and you realize all the quilt that the city is made up of, of the fabric of people that are here and the events that take place that you don't find any place else, and the Italian festival is one of them. And, uh, and it's a... Uh, it's a real treasure, and you look at the changes that Memphis and May has gone through, and as you get older, the one thing you want to hang on to are the things that don't change, and the Italian Festival has not changed, and that's a tribute to you guys. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, you know, we, this is our third management team now, and uh, but we still have an advisory board made up of us old guys. So, you know, some issues are brought before us, you know, if, if they've got questions or they want to do a change or whatever. I mean, we have a voice still. Oh, you do. In fact, you say, why don't you get in the car? We'll drive around and talk about it. <laughs> and now, it doesn't get that bad. But <laughs> but usually, because we're all friends. <laughs> I don't want to knock off anybody. <laughs> this, this ain't the Sopranos. Yeah, yeah no way. Well, I'm going to try to get out there, and I love your event, and I think you've done a great job at it, and, and we thank well, you thank for, you. for keeping it the, the high-quality event that it is, Mario. And, uh, thank you. You're, you're a good guy, too. I love you. Well, love you, too, and I uh, hope to see you out there this weekend. I'll be there along with a couple of thousand of my friends. <laughs> there you go. Bring them up there. You know where to come. I do. <laughs> Mario Bertagna. Right, thank you, sir. Thank you, Earl. You see bet. Ya. We're going to take a quick break, then we'll be right back. And welcome back. Uh, got some accidents working. I don't know how they're happening. It's not that crowded out there, but we got debris in the center lane at I-40 West at I-240. Uh, Cooper exit uh, 10, exit uh, 12, reported 439. And we've got uh, debris. I'm sorry. This is uh, debris in the right lane at uh, Mount Royal Road. We've got another accident uh, there at uh, Getwell Road at American Way, reported 441. Then you got another accident over at uh, Knight Arnold Road uh, at Hickory Hill Road. And uh, other than that, I think that's pretty much it. So just be aware of those situations. And if you see any traffic situations, give us a call at 901-260-5926. Uh, you can be our road patrol people and road warriors and let us know what's going on out there so we can share with everybody else because nothing's worse than driving along thinking i'm almost home and you look up ahead top the hill on poplar and there's nothing but taillights as far as far as you can see so you know, let's all help each other uh target shares sink for the ninth straight day market cap sheds over 13 billion as pride backlash continues Verizon Investments Chief Investment Officer Scott Ladner discussed uh, when the Fed will stop raising rates on Varney and company. I think that's going to come fairly shortly. In fact, I bet the next time it comes up, they do not raise it. It stays static. Uh, we were talking about that for, as far as home prices go yesterday. But um, back to Target. Target shares dropped again on Wednesday as the retail juggernaut continues to suffer after LGBTQ pride products outraged some customers across the nation. 
Target shares dropped another 2.14%, marking the ninth straight decline as tracked by Dow Jones Market Data Group. Since widespread backlash over Pride merchandise polarized the nation, Target's market value has fallen over $13 billion to $60.44 billion as of Wednesday's closing price. The company's market value was over $74 billion earlier this month. It extended the stock's longest losing streak since November 2018, leaving shares at a new 52-week low of $130.93 per share. Target shares dropped again on Wednesday as the retailer juggernaut continues to suffer after LBGQ Pride merchandise caused the outrage. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of people that say, well, this is just blow over, that conservatives, uh, they get tired of stuff and they just go back to the same old stuff. But last week, Target confirmed adjustments to the Pride merchandising plans were underway at Fox News Digital, learned it rolled back displays at some locations at Target Insider told. Fox News Digital that some Southern stores were forced by the corporation to move LGBTQ pride merchandise away from the front of their locations after customer outrage to avoid a Bud Light situation. <laughs> you know, that has actually turned into just a term. Don't don't pull a Bud Light, you know. Uh, or, oh, they pulled a Bud Light. The pride merchandise continues to cause headaches for Target when many LGBTQ advocates slammed the company for moving the merchandise. Democratic California Governor Gavin Newsom even accused Target of participating in a systematic attack on LGBTQ communities across the country. How is moving merchandise an attack on the community? The retailer, which has supported LGBTQ pride for years this season, suffered merchandise that included female-style swimsuits that have the option to tuck male genitalia. Other products are labeled as thoughtfully fit on multiple body types and gender expressions, a gender-fluid mug and a variety of adult clothing with slogans such as Super Queer or Grow at Your Own Pace, uh, Saucer, Planets. You know, the thing is, I have a, a friends who are gay and lesbian, and all the ones I'm talking to said, you know, let kids grow up, man. It, it, the whole world of sex and all that goes with it, unfortunately, is not a simple matter. And uh, anybody that's, and we've all been there, gone through puberty trying to figure out what's what and who's who and what am I doing here. I mean, why would you push anybody into that any sooner than they absolutely have to? It's a tough enough negotiation at any age. And uh, let the kids have a childhood. My goodness, let them watch cartoons and, and go to the playground and play with puzzles and go sit and watch Grandpa snore a lot to do out there without having to get involved with that. That's our show for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Please join us. We'll see you then.